Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. So, yeah, we are off to another exciting destination today, and we've got another drink in mind, and we're going to share some stories with you. Isn't that right, Linz? We are. <laughs> Although we wanted to share a quick announcement. Um, oh, yeah, I get rolling too fast. <laughs> You're fine. We're getting there. Um, so we are going to be changing how our episodes kind of cycle through. We're going to end up doing... Uh, folktales from a certain region first to kind of just immerse you guys in that culture a little bit, as well as kind of give you a hint or narrow down what our next creature might be. So it kind of leaves a little bit of mystery. Exactly. Um, you know, all all good be... scary stories start with the setting. Before, exactly. Uh, first. It's, it's got to be a dark and stormy night first before you know. <laughs> before you know the monster that's creeping in your door. Exactly. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> so this will be a nice way to kind of set the tone and you could leave you leave you guessing a little bit. Um, like tonight we're in Brazil. So Brazil! You can, you can kind of maybe try to guess what next week's creature is without us, you know telling you and us and there being a creature immediately so i think that'll just add a little more fun to it um you'll still get the the same episodes just kind of in a different order and our our modern folklore will be still be fifth in our cycle and if you really have a problem with it i guess you could just play them in your own order mix and match (laughs) just wait a week (laughs) it's the joy of podcasts or wait a week and listen to both wait a week and listen to both of them you'll be fine or binge listen to us if that's there your you thing go. too. <laughs> so yeah, so tonight we've got some folk tales for you instead of a creature in case you couldn't tell from the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's been a really fun way for us to jump into a, a culture and a folklore first before getting so focused on one creature or one set of stories. It's very true. And in light of that, let's talk about our cocktail for tonight. So we are doing Brazil's national cocktail, the Caipirinha. Caipirinha! (laughs) Um, It is, like I said, the national cocktail of Brazil. Like, they are proud of it. It's wherever you go. Um, And it's made with a liquor called cachaça. It's kind of similar to rum a little bit in that they're both distilled from sugarcane. But they are produced kind of through different processes. So, Kashasha, I can't talk, man. Kashasa. <laughs> it can only be made in Brazil from fresh cane juice. On the night of the full moon. <laughs> right, exactly. By the dark priests of the old <laughs> profane ways. Maybe not quite that, but in some some form <laughs> or another. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's fermented and then it's single distilled, and then rum. On the other hand, it can be made anywhere. It is delicious. It is delicious, and- <laughs> but it's usually produced from the molasses, which is a cooked byproduct of sugar production. So it ends up being distilled to way higher percentages of alcohol by volume. Um, so cachaça is less potent. It's a little fruitier. It has kind it is, of a subtle sweetness to it. It, it is definitely sweet, uh, and it's it is a mellow liquor. It's it's nice. It is, yeah. yeah. A- and in comparison, like rum is a little bit spicier and more caramelized. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So it's it's different in that way, <laughs> um, but it's so easy to make. It's so yummy. It's very citrusy with a little bit of that sour sweet. It's essentially made with 
half a lime, one and a, or like half a teaspoon to two teaspoons of sugar. It really just depends on how much sugar you want in it. It's a total taste thing. And then just two ounces of cachaça. And then you just garnish with the lime oil. It's the easiest thing ever. So yeah, Tasty too. Yeah. You'll feel like you're on a beach in Brazil. <laughs> See, I, th- I feel like I'm, you know, on, on uh, some kind of uh, cabana looking out over a lush jungle. And I know that the, our expedition is just getting ready to leave to go deeper into the interior. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I'm like, I can feel that sand under my toes and that beach sea breeze. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, got and it. That, I love it. That's that's there too. It's all part of the the wonderful tapestry of scenery that is South America. <laughs> and it, it's it's kind of great that it evokes that too, because I'm I'm sitting here freezing actually. I know so it has suddenly here. gotten very cold here. Uh, <laughs> right after we got so while we were uh, talking about you know the the North Pole and, and the Arctic, it was <laughs> it was kind of temperate. It was kind of I was I was riding my bike a lot here. We were edging and, into like springish weather. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it got it became it remembered that it is in fact February, and we do live in the in Rocky a place Mountains. where it's five months of winter. Yeah, so <laughs> snow everywhere. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it, mountains of snow. It's crazy. But it'll be gone in three days. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. By the time it, this comes out, probably. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, um, this has been this has been a nice uh, nice reprieve from the sudden bout of winter that we've all had here in Salt Lake. Definitely. Uh, and I know uh, other this, places as well. It's been very cold in many, many yeah, I mean, we, we have not caught the worst of the of the polar vortex or any of the things that uh, that the east side of the Rockies got. But Which I'm uh, very grateful for. Yeah, we know this has been a rough winter for everybody. Mm. So let's take a break from the cold and head on down to sunny Brazil. What do you say? Yeah, let's. Um, in case you guys want, I guess, some instruction on how to make the caipirinha. Basically, oh. <laughs> I, I mean, thought you were going to say if you, if you want instructions on how to get to Brazil. <laughs> well, you get on a plane. <laughs> Step one, place yourself inside a box. Step two, label the box <laughs> to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> I thought you were going to go like the Yzma route. <laughs> anyway, so um, basically you just you cut half of a lime into small wedges. You're going to end up placing the lime and the sugar into a glass and muddle it. Another use for a muddler. More muddling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Add some ice cubes and then the cassasa. Still can't say Kisasa. it. Terrible. Um, but yeah, and then you just stir and enjoy. Super easy. I know they even have like vendors on the beach in Brazil that you can just be like, Kaiverina, please. And they make it for you right then and there. Bam. Well, let's go. What's stopping us? Um... Nothing. Let's go. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> Grab your passport. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Later. Uh, but lovely. first, first, before we go, before we get ready for I our trip, should... uh, let's li- let's listen to some stories from Brazil. Yeah, what do you I say? I guess we should tell the tell the stories. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. We so, won't leave quite yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, the folklore, uh, the folk tales from Brazil. These were fun ones to read. Um, a lot of them are. Very, uh, it has a lot of talking animals, kind of like uh, almost like fables, really. Uh, yeah, there definitely. are several little, little lessons to be learned from these. They are they're stories that I think you could tell to a, a younger audience, and it would be fine. Um, mm. But it's it's a timeless kind of fairy tale. Yeah, we can all learn something from tales like that, for sure. Yeah. 
And these ones we, we actually got from a book that is called Fairy Tales from Brazil, How and Why Tales from Brazilian Folklore. And it's by Elsie Spicer Ellis. So um, our first tale for tonight is going to be How the Monkey Became a Trickster. All right, this is a good one. Hope you all enjoy it. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful garden in which grew all sorts of fruits. Many beasts lived in the garden, and they were permitted to eat of the fruits whenever they wished. But they were asked to observe one rule. They must first make a low, polite bow to the fruit tree, call it by its name, and say, Please give me a taste of your fruit. They had to be very careful to remember the tree's correct name, and not to forget to say please. It was also very important that they should remember not to be greedy. They must always leave plenty of fruit for the other beasts who might pass that way, and plenty to adorn the tree itself, and to furnish seeds so that other trees might grow. If they wished to eat figs, they had to say, Oh fig tree, oh fig tree, please give me a taste of your fruit. Or, if they wished to eat oranges, they had to say, Oh orange tree, oh orange tree, please give me a taste of your fruit. In one corner of the garden grew the most splendid tree of all. It was tall and beautiful, and the rosy-cheeked fruit upon its wide-spreading branches looked wonderfully tempting. No beast had ever tasted of that fruit, for no beast could ever remember its name. In a tiny house near the edge of the garden dwelt a little old woman who knew the names of all the fruit trees which grew in the garden. The beasts often went to her and asked the name of the wonderful fruit tree. But the tree was so far distant from the tiny house of the little old woman that no beast could ever remember the long, hard name by the time he reached the fruit tree. At last, the monkey thought of a trick. Perhaps you did not know it, but the monkey can play the guitar. He always played when the beasts gathered around the garden to dance. The monkey went to the tiny house of the little old woman carrying his guitar under his arm. When she told him the long, hard name of the wonderful fruit tree, he made up a little tune to it, all his own and sang it over and over again, all the way from the tiny house of the little old woman to the corner of the garden where the wonderful fruit tree grew. When any of the other beasts met him and asked him what new song he was singing to his guitar, he said never a word. He marched straight on, playing his little tune over and over again on his guitar, and singing softly the long, hard name. At last, he reached the corner of the garden where the wonderful fruit tree grew. He had never seen it look so beautiful. The rosy-cheeked fruit glowed in the bright sunlight. The monkey could hardly wait to make his bow, say the long, hard name over twice, and ask for the fruit with a please. What a beautiful color, and what a delicious odor the fruit had. The monkey had never in all his life been so near anything which smelled so good. Mmm, he took a big bite. Ooh, and what a face he made! That beautiful, sweet-smelling fruit was bitter and sour, and it had a nasty taste. He threw it away from him as far as he could. The monkey never forgot the tree's long, hard name and the little tune that he had sung. Nor did he forget how that fruit tasted. He never took a bite of it again. But after that, his favorite trick was to treat the other beasts to the wonderful fruit just to see them make faces when they tasted it. So what'd you think about that, Logan? I, I do like that the, I like the monkey as a trickster. That's a very fun character. He's very, he's kind of like a, like Coyote or a Nancy has that kind of element to him. Yeah. He, I mean, monkeys in general are totally mischievous creatures, right? Like yeah. they already are. So it's, he's perfect pick to be the the trickster, right? Yeah. 
And I really liked the like the initial part of this tale when they were talking about, you know, showing respect for where your food comes from. You I really did like that part. Polite yeah. and ask permission and not be greedy. And I think that's good advice for basically everything in your life, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's really evokes the culture that they have down there because they get so much from what's around them, you know, from from the ocean, from the for the rainforests and everywhere in between. You know, they have such a lush environment and they have such amazing ecosystems within it that it's so bountiful. But, you know, you you destroy things, you use up things and and it goes away. You know, so that not being greedy part is really, really important, I think. And I, I like that that's that's right in the core of the of their fairy tales and and these aspects of these characters that that they are part of this ecosystem and they all live together. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that's that's why it's present. It's why it makes sense to talk about it through these animals voices because it's more fun and because it makes the tale more um palatable or easy for kids to understand perfect you know stuff like that um i also really liked him like kind of what it said about how it's easy to use music to remember things yeah it's a really uh that's a great mnemonic device that i used to use uh my mom taught it to both me and my sister when we were kids uh to make up a song to remember details for for us it was for tests um yeah sometimes stuff yeah, like the uh, Animaniacs I, song with the presidents. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I always think it's funny that I, I never really learned to read music, but I've performed in a lot of musicals, so I just pick them up by ear the whole time. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of very talented uh, performers that I've worked with that think that that's just a travesty. That oh, you what you can't read music? No, it's it, you, you lock it into your brain, and after a while, because it's a song, it all fits together. Well, there's um, famous musicians that just play by ear, you know. Yeah. So it's and... <laughs> it's it's really cool. Like it, it's it's a really cool way to remember stuff, and I think a good way to call back to that is like you hear a song that was you know on the radio when you were 12, and it yeah. plays, and you can remember every single word. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it just it sticks in your brain really well. So I think that was a really smart thing. It was a really smart thing for him to do to remember the name of the tree you know yeah now this gross fruit uh that turned out to yeah. be so icky and terrible what do you think it tasted like uh to me it uh <laughs> what, yeah. what it tasted like um yeah to me it reminds me very much of like a durian uh which has a terrible odor yeah. but a sweet flavor this is kind of the opposite it also kind of it made me think of something like like perfumes or even like the smelly markers that they smell one way, but if you ever tasted them as a kid, eh, terrible. They don't, they don't taste like they smell. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. There's there's actually a weirdly a large amount of stuff like that um, that that seems appealing and then definitely is not once you get it. And I think that if we expand back from that a little bit, we we end up with kind of the the moral of the story, I guess, which is which is that something that's beautiful or appealing isn't always good on the inside, or like reality doesn't really live up to expectations sometimes. You know? Mm. Could it be that we have landed upon a lesson in this I little tale? I think we may have. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I, I guess another one would be like um, that he worked hard for his goal and was disappointed. You know, like it's not always going to turn out like he wanted to. I do think that that's an important lesson to include that things don't always work out exactly the right way. Yeah. And uh, he turned it to his favor because now he's having a, a lot of fun with it. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. he, and then now finding, he has it as a, as a tool that he can use. Yeah. He's finding a different kind of enjoyment. Um, and that's a good lesson to take from it too. You know, you may end up with a different aspect of something that you didn't expect before, mm-hmm. but you do, you do end up with something good. It's just not necessarily what you thought you would. Yeah. I think that's like an adulting lesson for all of us. None of us. That's a very good lesson for everybody. (laughs) None of us are where we thought we would be. At least I know between the (laughs) two of us really. Nope. But we're enjoying ourselves and that's what's important, you know? Yeah. (laughs) At least, at least I am. I I can't speak for you necessarily. Oh, I, you know, I, of course I am. I've got, I've got a caparena here. (laughs) Well, and knowing you, you enjoy life as a whole. Oh, All the time in general. Which is a great yes, it, way to look I, at it. I, I try to take lessons from old Mr. Monkey. He, it, it's Life's too short not to have a good time with it. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it is so true. So, you have any other things no, you want to talk about with that? No, that's pretty much it for I mean, this one. It was a short little story, but it was yeah. a fun one. I, I, I liked it. I, I would like to see it uh, acted out. It would be fun to see in like a puppet show format or oh, something like that. Oh, that would like be that. cute. Cute yeah. little monkey puppet. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's move on to our next tale. And that one is called How the Brazilian Beetles Got Their Gorgeous Coats. Oh, this is a good one. All right, here we go. In Brazil, the beetles have such beautifully colored, hard-shelled coats upon their backs that they are often set in pins and necklaces like precious stones. Once upon a time, years and years ago, they had ordinary plain brown coats. This is how it happened, that the Brazilian beetle earned a new coat. One day, a little brown beetle was crawling along a wall when a big gray rat ran out of a hole in the wall and looked down scornfully at the little beetle. Ho-ho! How slowly you crawl along! You'll never get anywhere in this world! Just look at me and see how fast I can run! The big gray rat ran to the end of the wall, wheeled around, and came back to the place where the little beetle was slowly crawling along, only a tiny distance from where the rat had left her. Don't you wish you could run like that? said the big gray rat to the little brown beetle. You surely are a fast runner, replied the little brown beetle politely. Her mother had always taught her to be polite, and had often said to her that a really polite beetle never boasts about her own accomplishments. The little brown beetle never boasted a single boast about the things she could do. She just went on slowly crawling along the wall. A bright green and gold parrot in a mango tree over the wall had overheard the conversation. How would you like to race with the beetle again? He asked the big gray rat. I live next door to the tailor bird, he added. And just to make the race exciting, I'll offer a bright colored coat as a prize to the one who wins the race. You may choose for it any color you like, and I'll have it made to order. Hmm. I'd like a yellow coat with stripes like the tiger's, said the big gray rat looking over his shoulder at his gaunt gray sides, as if he were already admiring his new coat. I'd like a beautiful bright-colored new coat, too, said the little brown beetle. The big gray rat laughed long and loud until his gaunt gray sides were shaking. (laughs) 
Why, you just talk as if you thought you had a chance to win the race, he said when he could speak. The bright green and gold parrot set the royal palm tree at the top of the cliff as the goal of the race. He gave the signal to start and then flew away to the royal palm tree to watch for the end of the race. The big gray rat ran as fast as he could. Then he thought how very tired he was getting. Oh, what's the use of hurrying, he said to himself. The little brown beetle cannot possibly win. If I were racing with somebody who could really run, it would be very different. Then he started to run more slowly, but every time his heart beat, it said, Hurry up! Hurry up! The big gray rat decided that it was best to obey the little voice in his heart, so he hurried just as fast as he could. When he reached the royal palm tree at the top of the cliff, he could hardly believe his eyes. He thought he must be having a bad dream. There was the little brown beetle, sitting quietly beside the bright green and gold parrot. The big gray rat had never been so surprised in all his life. How did you ever manage to run fast enough to get here so soon? He asked the little brown beetle as soon as he could catch his breath. The little brown beetle drew out the little tiny wings from her sides. Nobody said anything about having to run to win the race, she replied. So I flew instead. Oh, I did not know that you could fly, said the big gray rat in a subdued little voice. After this, said the bright green and gold parrot, never judge anyone by his looks alone. You can never tell how often or where you may find concealed wings. You have lost the prize. Until this day, even in Brazil, where the flowers and birds and beasts and insects have such gorgeous coloring, the rat wears a plain, dull gray coat. Then the parrot turned to the little brown beetle who was waiting quietly at his side. What color do you want your new coat to be? he asked. The little brown beetle looked up at the bright green and gold parrot, at the green and gold palm trees above their heads. At the green mangoes, with golden flushes on their cheeks, lying on the ground under the mango trees. At the golden sunshine upon the distant green hills. I choose a coat of green and gold, she said. From that day, the Brazilian beetle has worn a coat of green with golden lights upon it. For years and years, the Brazilian beetles were all very proud to wear green and gold coats like that of the beetle who raced with the rat. Then, once upon a time, it happened that there was a little beetle who grew discontented with her coat of green and gold. She looked up at the blue sky and out at the blue sea and wished that she had a blue coat instead. She talked about it so much that finally her mother took her to the parrot who lived next to the tailor bird. You may change your coat for a blue one, said the parrot, but if you change, you'll have to give up something. Oh, I'll gladly give up anything if only I may have a blue coat instead of a green and gold one, said the discontented little beetle. When she received her new coat, she thought it was very beautiful. It was a lovely shade of blue, and it had silvery white lights upon it like the light of the stars. When she put it on, however, she discovered that it was not hard like the green and gold one. From that day to this, the blue beetle's coats have not been hard and firm. That is the reason why the jewelers have difficulty in using them in pins and necklaces like the other beetles. From the moment the little beetle put on her new blue coat, she never grew again. From that day, the blue beetles have been much smaller than the green and gold ones. When the Brazilians made their flag, they took for it a square of green, the color of the green beetle's coat. They took for it a square of green, the color of the green beetle's coat. Within this square, they placed a diamond of gold, like the golden lights which play upon the green beetle's back. 
Then, within the diamond, they drew a circle to represent the round earth, and they colored it blue like the coat of the blue beetle. Upon the blue circle, they placed stars of silvery white, like the silvery white lights on the back of the blue beetle. About the blue circle of the earth, which they thus pictured, they drew a band of white, and upon this band they wrote the motto of their country, Ordem e Progresso, Order and Progress. Ooh, what'd you think of that one? <laughs> I actually really, really liked this tale. Um, it, it felt like kind of two or three stories in one. Yeah, I felt like this one, uh, while I was reading it, I could have ended it a couple of places. It <laughs> yeah. felt very felt very much like... Uh, uh, they were trying me, to get to somewhere. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the return of the king syndrome, where the movie ends <laughs> and then keeps going for a half hour. <laughs> exactly. And then ends again. And then they have another shot that would have been perfectly serviceable as the ending for the original. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> but for that. Uh, that yeah. But, but aside from ending a couple of times, it's a, it's a fun story. It, it has a lot of little lessons in there. Mm-hmm. Looking at kind of the framework of the story, it feels like, again, it's a story that's been told a couple of times and people have built onto it. And Yeah. It was very uh, tortoise in the hair. Yeah, that definitely started there. Yeah, and if Um, you're not familiar with that, it's one of Aesop's fables. And for those of you who like your Latinized schwa's, Aesop's fables as well. Oh, is it? I don't know. I always heard Aesop's. I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah, A-E, but uh, there are some that would disagree. Uh, And so we. Well, now we've said both, so we're technically right, no matter what. (laughs) We fired both barrels. Something's going to hit. Done. (laughs) With the rat, like the first thing. That I thought of was rodents of unusual size. Ah, yeah. I see. I tried to read him uh, kind of in the voice that I used to play Templeton the rat <laughs> I in, in Charlotte's it. Web. Templeton is <laughs> Bay. He is my favorite, and I will forever and ever have his smorgasbord song stuck in my head. Yeah, for when all I did the play, life. we did we didn't sing the song, but I definitely but sang it a lot backstage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. So great. Such a good movie. Such a sad movie. Um, In case you don't know uh, who Templeton is, uh, it's from Charlotte's Web, the book Charlotte's Web. Yeah, you have a homework assignment, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) You do, absolutely. Especially if you like stories about animals talking. Yeah, (laughs) this is right up your alley. (laughs) You're listening to our podcast, but you haven't read the collected works of E.B. White. (laughs) It's so good, guys. I mean, it's, it's very emotional. But it is fantastic. And it's a movie, too. So you can watch the movie, even. It's a super sad movie. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wilbur. Anyway. (laughs) Well, we've tangented there. Yeah. And on down. No, no, but yeah. So so, uh, the rat, the character, I I like that that character has carried over into really, he's a great example of that this story is not just it didn't just spring up in Brazil very much like the people of Brazil. It came from somewhere else. And so the rat archetype, some of the fable uh, narrative structure, the, the talking animals with a lesson to learn the tortoise and the hare. uh, A lot of those are, are bits that people have taken with them as they travel a long distance. Uh, And so it feels like that could have been part of where this story came from because it's part of the identity of Brazil. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's just kind of a universal concept in the world. You know, like there's always someone that thinks that they're better than someone else and gets shown up. 
you know mm-hmm. they get proven wrong the the underdog wins sometimes you know i i also like the uh Finding a loophole of the beetle. Um, that's know, a fun. Be- she was so smart. That's a fun lesson that I would love to teach to anybody. Sometimes, if you can't find a way through a problem, you can go around a problem just as easily. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you should. That's that's logical thinking, and, and more people should yeah. practice it. And when she not. says, "Well, it didn't say anywhere in the rules you couldn't fly," mm-hmm. well, she has a point. <laughs> and I, I really love that she was a girl. You know, um, yeah. in a lot of these tales we're reading tonight, most of the characters are guys. Um, but with this, like, there was no trumpeting around the fact that she was a girl. She was just literally a girl. And it yeah. didn't matter yeah. anyway, which is exactly, I think, how it should be. It just felt natural. And I think that's And fantastic. I'm not sure. You, you do see that quite a bit in modern storytelling and, yeah. and folklore which is awesome uh you know when when people are adapting fairy tales or, or old stories for a modern audience go ahead make it diverse uh i'm curious uh kind of what kind of diversity you, you would normally see in in a little farther a little I'm older too, yeah, stories I think from this is end of the 1800s ish early mm-hmm. early 1900s so i mean it's it's back in a time where that cool. isn't necessarily something that you would see um, unless it had some bearing on the story, but it really, it didn't here. And that's, I think why I like the fact that she was, um, mm-hmm. because, because it didn't matter that she was, she just was. So it, it felt weirdly progressive <laughs> I guess, yeah. in, in a great way. My, my initial thought with, with this was all of the different people and all of the, the things in the world that are kind of telling you that you're not as good as they are at things when you, you have your own things that you're good at. And we kind of miss the skills that others can have because we view them through the lens of our own skills. So it's oh, kind I of, feel that's a, yeah, that's a very real lesson, especially in the age of social media mm-hmm. where it's very easy to jump on, well, your feed of choice and see how everyone else has a much nicer life than you do. And it's kind of hard sometimes yeah. to think that, that you, that you measure up or, or anything like that. I think I think that and, it's a thing we've all been a victim of, but we've also mm-hmm. all done. Yeah, because everyone only wants to broadcast their best moments and let everyone think that their life is awesome. That's, I guess, part of human nature. Maybe it's become part of human nature, but <laughs> definitely, yeah. And but so I think from this, what we can take is that it really pays to kind of step into other people's shoes, so you kind of don't underestimate or misjudge them, you know? Perfect. Um, I think that's nice. Um, I, I liked that in the story, they were also very polite as well. <laughs> and Yeah, um, <laughs> it was kind of a polite story. Well, I mean, at least the beetle was. She was polite. She didn't boast that she had, she clearly had skills, you know, they just didn't have to be, happen to be walking at the pace of a rat. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were flying. <laughs> I think that kind of moving into like how it was multiple multiple stories in one i think that it was a fun way to kind of explain the different kind of species of beetle that they have as well as the colors of the flag <laughs> i mean yeah, it was, felt but... <laughs> like weirdly separate but they were also i mean it was interesting that they were like oh it's this and it's this but... and by the way it's the same as this <laughs> but it all made sense it was yeah, just kind of I... a little disjointed <laughs> Well, again, it's a it's a good story to tell to, ch- to children. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's got a little bit of a lesson to it, a small touch of knowledge, uh, folksy as it may be. Uh, <laughs> it's very uh, like, okay, now let's draw the Brazilian flag now that we know the colors. Yeah, yeah this is a story you might find in like an activity book or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it, it's legitimately old and uh, and has some some gravitas and some weight. This is still a, a fun a fun real piece of history. It just is lighthearted and and definitely. positive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the takeaway from like the the second part of the tale with the the beetle that wanted some wanted a different color, you know, um, like that you can ha- you can still have something wonderful and still want something else, right? Yeah, I I did think that was a little bit weird that uh, the beetle who was kind of the hero for the whole first act of the story. Uh, the character, even though, yes, it is a different beetle, uh, kind of does this about face, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in, from the audience perspective, the beetle is now this, oh, I don't want this color. I would do anything to change this color, this, and And really, it may have been a device just to get the two different colors into the story. (laughs) Totally possible. (laughs) But, but it's also very, it's very much a thing that humans do, right? You know, you have some... You have a wonderful life and you have privilege or you have some sort of skill, but you really, really wish that you had this other skill or you really, really wish that this other thing was different, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's been what we do. <laughs> I, that's been that to, to a small extent. That's been a lot of uh, a lot of my experience with bikes. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I've mentioned uh, my, my bike over the last couple of weeks and and it's that's been a big part of it. You get a bike. And the first couple things you do is, ah, I should have gotten the one that does this. I should have paid a little more to, to get this or get this frame <laughs> style or this kind of. I should have gone for this. And we're never happy. You build that. <laughs> you build that list, and eventually it's okay for my next bike. It's gonna do this, and it's gonna have this and this and this. And so I've got a new bike, which was the last checklist, and I'm trying to resist starting a fresh checklist for the next bike. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> You can ride around in the snow on your bike, so I think that you kind of maxed out it, you know. I sure can. Coolness, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I I really actually did like that story a lot. I thought it was fun yeah. as as kind of mishmashy as it was yeah, at the bit. end, but but I still thought it was really good. Um, I thought that the parrot was super cool. <laughs> I did like the parrot. The wise parrot that was just like, yeah, I know what's up. I know what's going to happen here. You dumb rat. It was pretty fun. But do you have anything else you want to talk about with that story? No, that was kind of it. Uh, That one was, that that was, was a fun one to read. Uh, I, I I I liked doing it and I'm excited to go on to the next one. I really liked the rat voice. I thought it was fun. The rat was a good, good part of it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I'm glad you liked it. Um, so let's take a quick break here to play a promo for you. Um, this is from one of our favorite shows. It's a show called Mythical, and the host is known as the narrator, and she kind of does what we do. She she tells you tales, basically. She tells you original myths and fairy tales. Um, she's got some commentary and some sound effects, and each of her seasons has a theme. So, like, her first season was Tales by the Brothers Grimm, 
And then this second season that she's currently in right now is all Italian fairy tales. So because they are actually like the original tales, they can be kind of dark at times, as they should be. Cool. (laughs) Um, But it's a really fun show. And I think that if you like these kind of episodes that we do, you'll definitely like this show. So we are going to play that for you right now. Yeah, let's check it out. Hello, I'm the narrator, host of Mythical, the podcast that wanders the dark and fantastical pages of fairy tales and myths. In each episode, I read a dark and original fairy tale. Along with the story, I also add my own commentary on the side. I add sound effects to bring the story to life and give a little bit of history on how the tale may have changed over the years. You can find Mythical on all popular podcast apps. Have a magical day, and I'll see you soon. All right, so our next story is called How the Monkey Escaped Being Eaten. Ooh, it's another one with that old Mr. Monkey. (laughs) Once upon a time, ages and ages ago, people ate fruits and nuts. Then there came a time when fruits and nuts became scarce. People had to eat meat, so they began killing the various beasts to see which ones were the best to eat. They skinned them and cut them into pieces and cooked them over the fire. Some of the beasts were good to eat, others were not good at all. The ox was found to be very good, so was the sheep and the armadillo. Then one day a man thought he would try to eat the monkey. The monkey was playing his guitar. The man came close to him and said, Come here, little monkey. Let me hear your music. I enjoy it very much. All the time, the man was coming closer and closer to the monkey. Just as he was about to reach out his hand and seize the monkey, the monkey gave a sudden leap to a tree and hurried away to the treetop. After that, every time the man heard the monkey play the guitar, he would come near and try to catch him. The monkey grew afraid of the man, so afraid that he gave up playing his guitar at all. For a long, long time, he did not play upon it. One day, he felt he just must have some music. He hid in a hole in the ground, and there he played upon his guitar. He did not think the man would hear him, but the man had very sharp ears. When he got through playing, he started to come out of the hole in the ground, and there was the man waiting for him. He quickly crawled back so far that the man could not catch him. The monkey waited and waited for the man to go away, but the man did not go away. After a while, the man became thirsty and went to get a drink. He left his little boy in his place to watch for the monkey. After the man had gone away, the monkey called out to the little boy, Oh, little boy, oh, little boy, don't you wish that you could see this monkey dance? The little boy replied that he wished he could. Just put your little eyes down to the door of my little cave, and I'll show you the monkey dance, little boy said the monkey. The little boy put his eyes down close to the hole in the ground. No sooner had he done so than the monkey threw dirt into the little boy's eyes. When the little boy was rubbing his eyes to get the dirt out of them, the monkey made a sudden dash out of the cave and escaped into the treetops. When the man returned, the little boy did not dare tell him that the monkey had escaped. The man waited and waited and waited there by the hole in the ground. At last he became tired of waiting and went away. After that, the man tried harder than ever to catch that monkey. 
If he had not had the good luck to catch the monkey napping one day, there is no knowing when he would have got his hands upon him. One day, however, he caught the monkey napping. He shut him up in a box and carried him home to the children for supper. The man put a big dish full of water over the fire, ready to cook the monkey. Then he went away to collect more fuel for the fire. The monkey and his guitar were shut up in the box. And there, inside the box, the monkey played on his guitar. With this, the children came crawling close to the box. Whoa, children, oh children, do you wish you could see the monkey dance? said the monkey. The little children replied that they wished that they could. Oh, this box is so small, and there's not room enough for me to dance in here, said the monkey. Then just let me out, and I'll show you how well I can dance. The children opened up the box and let the monkey out into the room. The monkey played on his guitar. And he danced about the room. And then he said, Oh, children, oh, children, you have got nothing at all cooking in that pot over there. Let us put something into that pot uh, to cook. The children thought that it would not be polite to tell the monkey what the pot of water was waiting for. So they let the monkey fill the pot as he liked. He put into it some little dry sticks and an empty coconut shell. And then he said, Whoa, children, oh, children, I cannot dance anymore. It is so hot here in this room. The children begged him to dance some more. Well, if you open up the door a little bit, then I can have some more air to breathe. I'll show you a new dance, said the monkey. The children opened the door. The monkey danced over to the door and out of the door, away to the treetop. That was the very last they ever saw of him. He moved to another part of the country after that experience. When the man came home with fuel for the fire, the children did not dare tell him that the monkey had escaped. They let him think that the sticks and the coconut shell in the pot was the monkey. He built a big roaring fire under the pot, and soon it was boiling merrily. After the pot had boiled a while, he called to the children to come to supper with him. The children let him taste first. He fished a hard stick out of the pot and bit into it. This is not the monkey's leg. This is just a dry stick, he said as he made a wry face. Then he fished the empty coconut shell out of the pot. That is not the monkey's head, he said as he tasted it. That is just an empty coconut shell. He couldn't find a single trace of the monkey in that monkey stew, and he never wished to make a monkey stew ever again. What do you think about that? Well, that one. Ah, oh, see now. Okay, I gotta ask. What did you think of the singing monkey? Um, I loved him <laughs> so <Yeah>. much because <laughs> <laughs> it says right in the story he's he starts to sing and he's a very musical character. He's a these these are characters that play instruments and and he's a he's a musical kind of guy. And that's something that I kind of found in these stories. Music is a big part of it. Definitely, um, yeah. Um, and, and you made really, it so. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> he was great. I loved um, him so much. <laughs> but music is is a big part of of their story right from the very at the very core. Mm -hmm. And so uh, yeah, I, I, admittedly, I didn't really go with a Brazilian music theme for him. Uh, I, I went a little more 
uh, I don't know. What, Elvisy? <laughs> Elvisy, yeah. That was that was a big part of it. I think I was channeling a quote from uh, Ernie Hudson's character from uh, from Congo, where he says, right now every monkey in the jungle thinks he's Elvis Presley. <laughs> and- well, then if it's from that, I mean, <laughs> we know we love Michael Crichton, so... <laughs> Indeed. Might as well, right? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like the monkey and I like his escape plan as well. So it's Find fun. another way around a problem than through it. It's true. I mean, and it was, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's strange that the animals are kind of anthropomorphic and can play guitar and talk, but people are okay with trying to eat them. A little yeah, strange indeed. that way. But I mean, it's, I guess it's not really about that necessarily. I do think that the trauma of someone trying to kill you because you, you're you're doing something that you love, so you give that thing up is kind of rough, you know, because he, like, stopped playing his guitar, which he loved to do because it was putting his life at risk. I like that he crawled into a hole just, and he's going to secretly like, play his guitar. But I really want to. He's going to. Yeah, he's. He, Poor monkey. He's going to. <laughs> So on the on the down low and 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 no one else no one gets to hear his songs but he gets to know that he's singing them uh, until someone does and then he gets found oh man yeah poor monkey um it was an interesting way to kind of discuss eating animals rather than like fruits and nuts and stuff yeah i, I did think that, that way kind of- i did really like that the monkey was he was very clever it was a very like fairy tale element um yeah, I, I really like this monkey. I think so. So when I was a little kid, I really, really liked monkeys a lot. And I'm not surprised. I think I I hadn't spent a lot of time around monkeys. Uh, so this was the idealized monkey that I really liked. One that one kind of like Curious George, kind of that. That's probably why you that, liked him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was the best. Let's be real. Yeah, definitely. No, a, a monkey that has all all the clean and lovable parts of a monkey, and none of the. Terrible, horrifying, or awful parts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yeah. If anyone wants a pet monkey, leave it Leave it in the woods. Get a dog instead. Yes, please. They'll love you more anyway. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, he kind of reminded me a little bit of the badger back in our Japanese folktales episode. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he's captured yeah. and sitting there and like wheedling his way out of getting eaten. And it was very similar in that regard. Um a mm-hmm. little less murderous, so that's good. Always a good thing. Yeah, well, usually a good thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> entertainment value. <laughs> the murder is fun, I guess, but <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. It was smart that he moved away after all of that happened, though. I love that he yeah. was like, okay, bye, and then he like legit just left. <laughs> just just peaced out of there. He was like, later, I'm... I'm- <laughs> Move away from these problematic people. <laughs> Oh man, um, and I, I I was a little sad that the that these kids were so scared of their dad that they couldn't tell him like, yeah, sorry, we uh, let the monkey escape, or um, sorry, we let the monkey out of his crate, and <laughs> yeah, well, and this goes back to this the the lesson that we kind of pulled out of one of our scary stories a couple couple weeks ago. You look at the actions, yeah, sure, that's bad, but. Uh, the dishonesty, the not telling other people about it, mm-hmm. the 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 not taking advantage of those around you as a resource, that's where things really get out of control. Uh, yeah. I think if it the kids never had, leads to something good. 
Yeah. If if the kids had just said to their dad, "Oh, I'm, uh, the monkey escaped," then they could go catch some fish, and then they have a have a big dinner, and everyone's happy. Yeah. But they, I mean, at least they lied and, at least uh, heard nothing. It didn't really hurt anything because because the first yeah. time, like that, he just ended up waiting longer than he needed to, where the monkey was caught in that pit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, he ended up eating a stew of sticks and coconuts, you know. But he figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't the monkey. <laughs> So, I mean, nothing really bad happened per se, but at the same time, you know, there's something to be said about having courage. I do wish to take small, small issue with this story, though. If someone serves me a hot bowl of monkey stew, the first thing I do is not going to be reach into it and pull out the bone and bite into it. Nobody bites into the bone. That is you a have little a, bit you have weird. A big soup. You don't bite into the skull part. You you, you eat around it. That's the that's there for flavor. Hey, to be it's, to be fair, they just started it's eating like a animals. bay leaf. Remember, <laughs> he doesn't know what it. he's doing yet. <laughs> okay, I'll give him a pass. Uh, but he's, but he's I do. New to- I, it did take a different turn than I thought it would. Um, just with the dad at the end being like. Well, okay, whatever. And then he just kind of let go <laughs> of the of ever eating a monkey again. That was interesting. I mean, it is good to let things go sometimes when I, you're d- disappointed time and again. <laughs> Maybe I also have don't eat monkeys, <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah. But I but you know I I also have a great deal of respect for any villain who actively tries to make soup out of his opponent. Fair. The Shredder threatened it many, many times. <laughs> Tonight I dine on turtle soup. But he never followed through with it. Well, maybe he did in one or two episodes, but not literally more in a figurative sense. But <laughs> <laughs> to actually attempt to make soup of one's enemy, uh, that, that takes a certain, certain level of, of villainy. I mean, uh, it does, but... You don't often see. Yeah. That's why he was the villain. Yeah. It was his goal. <laughs> And he failed, and he, but he and tried he failed. really hard. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> he wasn't. I don't know that he was even a villain per se. Like he was just a very tenacious person. Yeah, he. I. That's why I like referring to characters like him as antagonists. Yes, over oh, villains. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on the on the small scale spectrum. He's he is the opposite of the monkey. Whatever yeah. the monkey is, he isn't. He may not and be the bad guy really, but he is the antagonist of the story. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um cuz he's he's what's causing all the problems for the protagonist, which is the monkey. So, there it you makes go. Perfect sense. <laughs> um but yeah, it was a fun story. I liked I liked it being like, okay, now we don't eat monkeys, you know? Like that's the reason behind uh- it. <laughs> Good enough They're for me. They're too smart, which <laughs> no. is true. They're very smart creatures. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I really do wish I could go to the zoo and watch monkeys play some guitars and sing to me. Oh, that would be really cool. I, I would watch that for days. Absolutely, live uh, stream that. <laughs> you yeah. know, it'd be great. <laughs> um, Somebody out there, if you if you've got a monkey that plays the guitar, apes are also acceptable. <laughs> Uh, I think, wasn't Curious George an ape? He didn't have a tail, right? Did not have a tail. So, no but prehensile he, he, tail. That means he's not a monkey. Well, that okay, so, okay, with this one, you have to assume either the narration is wrong, 
or the illustration there, because is wrong. he does look look like a monkey. Yes, just he, without a tail. Every in every written instance of him, he is a monkey. Uh, Maybe he's a different species we don't know about that kind of like straddles that line, kind of like Manx, hmm. a Manx cat, where they don't have tails. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Or, or, I don't know. Or perhaps, perhaps he. He he lost it when he was younger in some unfortunate accident, Fair. like the polar bear that sat on the ice and lost his tail that way. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's cu- it's it's curious. Hmm. Curious. Very Maybe curious that's indeed. why he's curious, I, George. I li- I no. like to think of him without a tail. I feel Does like he have the- tail? I can't even remember. It's been so long. Hold on. Let me Google it. No, I, he doesn't. Uh, curious George. This, we are we are live googling on the air, ladies Ew. and gentlemen. Never <laughs> never been done before in podcast history. Hey. And I'll tell you, I, he doesn't have a tail. I'll tell you, calling he it does. right now. Wait, no, he doesn't. He and does he, have it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. What? What is happening? Is, see now, our podcast audience is screaming into it because they googled it the first time. The first as soon as we started talking about it, and they're like, "Yeah, he does in some illustrations. Okay, he okay. doesn't in, in in the later so, ones." So. Yeah, okay. Most of what I'm seeing, he does not. Oh. So, maybe it's a Mandela effect thing? Possible. Possible. Um, so, back to Brazil, where <laughs> Curious like George other isn't. Podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about our next tale instead. Yeah, we got another this. story. <laughs> um, our next tale. And another drink. <laughs> exactly. Our next one is called... How the Toad Got His Bruises. Oh, this one's cool. Okay, here goes. Once upon a time, ages and ages ago, the Toad had smooth skin. In those days, he was a great roamer. He could never be found in his own house. If anyone ever had a party, he was sure to go, no matter how far away from home it was held or how long it took to get there. One day, the Toad received an invitation to attend a party in the sky. Mm, you can never get to this party, said his friend the armadillo. You don't know how slowly you travel here upon the earth. Wait and see whether or not I go to the party, said the toad. Not far from the toad's house, there lived a big black buzzard. No one liked the buzzard. He was very unpopular with all the birds and beasts. The toad hopped over to the buzzard's house. The buzzard was outside the door making music on his violin. Good morning, friend buzzard, said the toad. Are you going to attend the party in the sky? The buzzard replied that he was planning to go. That is good, said the toad. May I have the pleasure of your company for the trip? The buzzard was delighted to have the toad seek his company. It was a new experience. Why, I'll be charmed to go to the party with you, replied the buzzard. What time shall we start? We'll start at four o'clock, said the toad. Come to my house and we'll go from there. Be sure to bring your violin with you. Promptly at four o'clock, the buzzard arrived at the toad's house. He had had his violin with him, of course, because the toad had asked him to bring it. I'm not quite ready to go, the toad called out. Just leave your violin there by the door and step inside. It will only take me a minute to finish getting ready. The buzzard laid his violin carefully outside the door and went inside the toad's house. The toad jumped through the window and hid himself inside the violin. The buzzard waited and waited for the toad to get ready but he did not hear a word from the toad. Finally, he got tired of waiting. He picked up his violin and started off. When he arrived at the party, he was a trifle late, but he explained how he had waited for the toad. 
How foolish to wait a minute for the toad, said his hosts. How could the toad ever get to a party in the sky? We just asked him as a joke because he's such a great gadabout. Lay down your violin and come to the feast. The buzzard lay down his violin, and as soon as there was no one looking, out hopped the toad. He was laughing from ear to ear. So they thought I would not come to the party. What a joke! How surprised they will be to see me here, he said. There was nobody at the feast who was as gay as the toad. When the buzzard asked how he arrived, he said, I'll tell you some other day. Then he went on eating and dancing. The buzzard did not have a very good time at the party. He decided he would go home early. He went away without saying goodbye to his hosts and without taking his violin with him. At the end of the party, the toad hopped inside the violin and waited and waited for the buzzard to take him home. Nobody picked up the violin, and the toad began to be very much worried. He almost wished he had not come. After a while, the falcon noticed the violin. That violin belongs to the buzzard. He must have forgotten to take it home. I'll carry it back for him, he said. The falcon flew toward the earth with the violin. The toad shook about terribly inside the violin. He got very tired. The falcon got tired, too. I'm not going to carry this heavy old violin of the buzzards another minute, said the falcon. I was foolish to offer to carry it in the first place. The buzzard is no friend of mine. And he let the violin fall. Down, down toward the earth it fell. Oh, little stones, oh, little stones, get out of my way, called the toad as he fell. The little stones had deaf ears, though. They did not get out of the way. When the toad crawled out of the wrecked violin, he was so covered with bruises that he could hardly hop home. The buzzard never knew what became of his violin, or why the toad had lost his good looks. To this very day, the toad shows his bruises, and he is entirely cured of being a roamer. All right, party toad. Yes. Yeah, party toad. <laughs> I so love that he's a partier. <laughs> um, and- <laughs> first question, why was he completely unfazed by getting an invite to a party in the sky? Like, how did he not understand initially that that was like a joke? No, see, I think that uh, that may not have been too unusual for uh, a gentleman of the toad's social sta- standing. <laughs> I mean, they talked about like, oh, we thought it would be funny or whatever, but yeah, there, I, I was I, I was asked not long ago if I could attend a a big corporate event, and they said it's it's super formal. You'll ha- you'll have to wear a tuxedo. Do you have a tuxedo? My response was, it's not whether or not I have a tuxedo that matters. It's which tuxedo I will wear. <laughs> uh, and- <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and I kind of I, I see a little bit of myself in you know Mr. Toad here in this particular version of the Toad. Uh, he he likes to he, he has a very wide social circle. He I hope you're nicer to buzzards than he is. I I usually am. Good. I <laughs> I would imagine I have that great you are. respect for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't fit in the violin as well. No, that's true. I mean, very few people would. I think. I like the way that he overhears them making fun of him. And he's just like, well, going to the party anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, he was there, technically. Um, yeah. Already. Like, what was he going to do other than go to the party? But he might as well have fun and then kind of proves them wrong by being the life of the party, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the freaking buzzard. 
I was so yep. sad for him. Like he was he was just so happy that somebody wanted to be his friend and I go know. to a party with him. Like he was like pleased as punch and then he gets essentially stood up by the toad and then made fun I, of for no reason. And made fun That's of for waiting for him. Like Yeah. He the, can't the buzzard win. had already agreed to give the toad a ride. He can't win and I relate to him so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Buzzard, I feel you. Throughout this whole story. <laughs> the buzz. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, man. Like, I'm I'm actually glad that he just left the toad there. He was like, peace out. I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I felt a lot like that buzzard. One time I was I was waiting for our friend, our friend Freddy. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I was waiting in his house and he was nowhere to be seen. He was taking a, a nap upstairs. And I decided to start having a couple of drinks while we wait because we were going. We were going to go to a music show, and we had planned to have a couple of drinks and take a t- take a car there. And the problem is, he wasn't there. So I'm I'm starting my pregame because well we have we have an event to get to. I've got I've got things to do, and the only music I have are the MP3s on my phone at the time, which were which were the collected works of UB40. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> I'm there drinking by myself in Freddy's kitchen to red red wine. That's amazing. Freddie sends a text and he said says, sorry, I fell asleep, I'll be down in a little bit. And I send a text that is meant to be, um, don't worry about it, I'm just waiting in the kitchen. However, at this time I've had a couple of drinks and I send him is okay, we kitchen. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and you guys have to know that this phrase lives in infamy, in our friend group, <laughs> like in infamy, it's okay. We, we say it constantly. It is one of our <laughs> loganisms, and <laughs> we tell it to each other all of the time. But I, I, I get what it is to be just like, dude, come on, be ready to go. Come on, oh, the party is waiting. Why? Where is this frog? And uh, toad, excuse me. Toad. Yes, get it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like. <laughs> But at the same time, luckily, Freddie wasn't, like, malevolently waiting for you to get tired and just leave without him so he could hitch a ride no, on he, you. I guess the equivalent of that would be for Freddie to have stowed away in the trunk of my car. <laughs> just to show up or, unexpectedly. Or, knowing our friend Freddie, what, what would be even better is for him to stow away in the back of an Uber that was on the way to come pick me up. And then surprise oh, me in the back sneaky. seat. I think that may may have been his intention. Yeah, I guess the problem yeah. here is that you're friends, which he clearly was not with the buzzard. Yeah, I guess that's the big difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor buzzard. I can't get over it. I'm so sad for him. That buzzard is no friend of mine. <laughs> oh, um, I did think that it was nice of the falcon to kind of actually try and help the buzzard out, but at first, kind of. Oh, of course. But it's, Falcon's an honorable creature. But it was a the, the pretty falcon. dick move to kind of just drop the violin from the sky. Well, yes, he is pragmatic as well. Yeah, <laughs> like fair. I get it. But like, land and put it on the ground or something, because he never got his he never got his violin back. Ever. Yeah, he. Nope. It's so sad uh, to me. A, a sacrifice to the party gods right there. It is. But, I mean, I guess the moral of this story would end up being, like, Toad 
he he reaped the consequences of his actions. And like <laughs> if he hadn't been cagey and he just actually I don't know asked someone for a ride to the party, this could have yeah, been avoided. I feel like that would have gone over just <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, I I I feel like if there's a lesson to be taken from this, it's be yourself and don't be don't afraid wait for people. to. Got it. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And don't wait for people. Perfect. <laughs> no one's your friend. <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> yep. Oh, sorry. You're cooler than everybody else, whether you it just whether can't you get actually over are or not. Uh, love, love the people in your life that are buzzards, guys. They need you. Yeah. If if you know a buzzard, go give them a hug right Please now. Do. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I mean, not really, but yeah, essentially, in some ways, we've all we've all been there. You know, we've all we've been all that been person. the buzzard at one time or another. Yeah. yeah. Some people are uh, more often than others, but oh. but we all have definitely. Have that happen in some way or another. Okay, springtime is coming. I will make sure that you get invited to more parties, Lindsay. <laughs> oh, for me, it's never... I'm not really concerned about getting invited, because I yeah. usually do, and it's fine. It's just more... And besides, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'll have it known to all of the people, and put on the record, Lindsay has just invited me to a party. <laughs> a D&D party. <laughs> That's right. We're starting a campaign. It's going to be the best. I'm super excited about it, actually. It's my first campaign. I've been watching a ridiculous amount of Critical Role, and I just need to play. I feel like you should speak to the members of my other D&D groups before <laughs> wanting me to join any other D&D group. Well, considering the people that we have <laughs> lined up for our future campaign... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, what's happening here is they are all theater people. Except for me. Um, I kind of am, but I everything I did was all backstage and costumes. So You're theater adjacent. I am definitely it's... theater adjacent, absolutely. Yeah. But you guys are all like a hundred percent performers, very creative people. Um so it'll be Only because we're not good at anything <laughs> else. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be absolutely perfect for a campaign because that's exactly what we're doing, you know? We're we're role playing. So it's it's yep. perfect for something like this. And that's why I think I'm the most excited because, you know, I sit here watching Critical Role and I'm like, these people are fun actors. And I look at you guys and you're fun actors. So it'll be great. <laughs> I'll get exactly what I so wanted. Be <laughs> so be ready for excerpts and highlights from that, ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen. Cause <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we'll regale you with what's happening on our Patreon or something. <laughs> We're going on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to at least attempt to <laughs> it'll be really fun i think uh i think that's yeah. gonna probably be all for us this week that is it yeah we only had a couple of stories but i think the stage is well, now set four. for us to venture <laughs> forth into brazil oh yeah oh yeah four, yeah, yeah, four. Yeah, they were four. just short but you know it's it's different than when we have a half an hour long story like we did last week which yeah. was good just very long <laughs> so everyone everyone's all set for our next episode we'll go uh, a little now now tell us your guesses we kept what do you think we have coming for you next week yeah what's it gonna be now we know we know that the fairy tales were a little lighthearted and a lot maybe a little younger in in audience and tone which uh, is actually now, good uh, because next week is probably gonna get a little bit dark 
a little bit yeah, dark. A little bit more. So we're gonna run the gamut of Brazil. Macabre. It'll well, definitely get a stronger it's rating. It's spooky. From the- it's just a little um, harsh. I guess cool. it'll make a lot more sense once you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, don't, I mean, don't come in next week expecting it to be all uh, shits and giggles. <laughs> you know? But also don't come in expecting it to be no shits and yeah. giggles. Cause oh, after be all, some. this is folklore on the it rocks. It will be and, some. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So let's wrap this up. Um, <laughs> let's do that. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at... At Folklore Rocks! <laughs> um, we've got pictures, notes, and sources on FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. Lately, I've been starting to kind of put links to things that we mention in the show that are kind of random. Like, we'll put Curious George link there or something, you know. Oh, yeah. If you don't know Curious George, go we'll put a learn picture. about Curious George. I'll find out if it really is Mandela Effect or not and <laughs> let you know there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, other stuff. Uh, if anyone would like to hear some Brazilian heavy metal that I, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, Angra Perfect. is an excellent Brazilian heavy metal band. link the shit out of that. It'll be great. And and really listen for the signature rhythms that go into it. They incorporate a lot of kind of jungly sounds oh, and I like that. into into their their power metal um you got to go to the show notes to find that so that's on our website yeah down in the show notes uh that's on folkloreintherocks.com so very easy to remember um (laughs) we we do have a patreon which we appreciate anything that you are willing to give um if you don't want to commit to giving a certain dollar amount a month you can also donate via paypal there's a button just on our website if you want to do that um we also do have a merch shop which is exciting hopefully all the merch turns out okay um it's it's through threadless i'm hoping that it uh prints out well and looks good we'll see (laughs) we'll see what happens hopefully the quality is i have i have faith it's gonna be just perfect they know what they're doing is what i'm going with (laughs) That's kind of their livelihood. So, oh. This is not their first <laughs> it review. It is. Exactly. Um, once again, free stickers if you write a review and you send in a screenshot. And if um, if you don't mind, please rate us. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's very helpful for helping other people yeah. find us. It's also really cool for us to, to read those. That's, yeah. uh, this is something that both Lindsay and I, we put a lot of work into it. And it's something that's been really fun to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to hear that anybody is actually listening. is liking it and out there. It's it's not even it's not even the the positive side of it of how much everyone's liking it. It's just that people include us in your day. Yeah. That's such a cool thing. Well, it's it's and hard. We're happy it's to hard do because it. we're just sitting here chatting essentially. You know, so we're we're not necessarily there with you while you're listening to us. So it's it's nice to hear that it's as that it's actually happening somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, people take podcasts and they 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 go about their their day with them. I listen to them while I bike around town, and you know some people listen to them at work. I think I I wonder if anyone actually listens to our podcast while hunting monsters. You know, um, I sure freaking hope they do. That would be let a cool us know thing. if that is you. <laughs> give us a shout. Yeah, if you if you are a professional or semi professional monster hunter, even if you just dabble, and, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> And and bring us along on your adventures. Tell us about yeah. them. We'll do like an extra segment uh, with you or something. 
Um, but yeah, just just tell your friends if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is the most helpful thing that you can do for us. You know, there's there's podcast groups that you can recommend shows in that please do do so if you like us. Um, recommend us on Twitter and we'll probably retweet you, you know, that kind of thing. But I think that's all that we have for you this time around. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thank you for listening and we're going to see you next Sunday. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.